I'm not an art therapist, but I'm a true believer in art therapy. And I think that you can kind of see that in what we do at ArtMix. Yes, ma'am. It is November 9th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 20 of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. What's going on, everybody? Sam Rothstein here, acting principal clarinet with the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra and host of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. I know it's been a long, emotional week for a lot of people, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this episode of The Candid Clarinetist. I hope the podcast has given given everyone a nice respite from all the craziness that is going on in the world. Part of the reason that I started on this journey was to give myself a bit of an escape, and I hope to give my listeners the same same sort of thing. So thank you all so much for all the downloads and support. It really means a lot to me. Before we get going here, I want you to do a couple of things for me, if you wouldn't mind. Please go ahead and hit the pause button on this episode and head over to our Instagram page, at the Candid Clarinetist, and hit the follow button. I'm trying to reach the 500 follower mark before the end of the year, so if you could help me out in this endeavor, I would really appreciate it. The other thing I want you to do is take a second to subscribe to the podcast on whatever your preferred platform is. As always, you can find links to all of these things via our website, CandidClarinetistPodcast.com. So I always joke to my wife that I can't seem to make it through an episode without mentioning her at least once. So I thought it'd be really great to actually bring her on the podcast so that all of you can find out just how amazing she is. My guest for today is none other than Mrs. Cannon Clarinet herself, Britt Sutton. Britt is the CEO of ArtMix, which is an arts nonprofit in Indianapolis, Indiana, that provides art classes to individuals with disabilities. Most importantly to me, however, is that she is my incredible wife. So thank you so much for joining me tonight, sweetheart. Thank you. And I expect to be paid double what your guests normally are. Well, you know what two times zero is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for letting me join today. Of course. So can you first start out, Britt, and just tell us a little bit about ArtMix and, of course, like your mission. Like, what do you guys do? What, what are you guys all about? Yeah, well, you got it right. Um, at ArtMix, we say ArtMix is art redefining disabilities. So uh, what that means to us basically is we serve individuals with and without disabilities. We provide a safe space for creative self-expression for everybody in our community. But then we also have um, specific programs where we focus on employing artists with disabilities. So our number one program we're most known for is called Urban Artisans. And in that program, um, we employ artists who have disabilities, most of them cognitive disabilities, so Down syndrome, autism, et cetera. They come in, they work in this beautiful studio, they create these amazing ceramics and artwork together. And then we also have our community classes, which we're known for too. And we employ around 15 to 20 amazing teaching artists. That's who teaches everything. I have a wonderful team, um, very lucky to work with. And that's just kind of the basics of what we do. Yeah, it's really an incredible organization. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, I know they're most prevalent in uh, showing their artwork at First Fridays, which is 
uh, an event. I mean, I get, do you want to just speak a little bit about First Fridays? I, know, <laughs> I don't know if it's significant to Indianapolis, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's not specific to Indianapolis. And I'm laughing because Sam knows the spiel I give at First Fridays now, where yep. I'm like, have you heard of Art Mix? Um, so we are located in the Harrison Center, if you're familiar with um, Indianapolis. But First Fridays are kind of a, a national, and I believe they might be an international thing too, where the first Friday of every month, Art galleries across the country open up and artists showcase their work. Um, they used to be a really fun time when everyone would come in, have wine, have some charcuterie, walk around, look at the gallery. Now they're a little bit different. So our first Fridays are socially distanced, masked first Friday events with limited capacity where individuals can kind of walk through, take a look at the galleries. But our gallery is also open by appointment right now, and we have a website. So you can go to artmixindiana.org and check out our gallery there too. Awesome. So what made you become, and this is obviously not your first job postgraduate, but what made you become such a fierce advocate for people with disabilities? I know this is something that you've basically dedicated your life's work to. Um, so can you sort of briefly speak on this and, uh, yeah, what, what made you sort of go into this field? Yeah. So, um, when I was 19, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. So I started having grand mal seizures, generalized tonic clonic seizures. And when that happened, kind of a new world opened to me. So, um, Long story short, after college, I started working as a behavior therapist for kids with autism spectrum disorders, fell in love with working with them. Part of it was because a lot of individuals who have autism have comorbidities with epilepsy or seizure disorders as well. Comorbidity, if I'm speaking too much science, is whenever you have two conditions that are not necessarily mutually exclusive, sometimes they go together. Um, so anyway, started working with kids with autism, fell in love with working with them. Uh, they really changed my life. And from there, decided to go to law school, as you know, focus in disability law and long twisty path later uh, led me here to where I'm at right now. So I consider myself a disability rights advocate, but I'm also lucky because I'm an individual with a disability. So I can kind of speak from it personally, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that uh, art and music and dance has had a uh, incredible impact on your life personally. Uh, we, when we first met, I, I didn't know that your your past and and how um, involved you were in the arts. So can you sort yeah. of speak on on sort of your background in just art <laughs> and and you know music and dance and everything? Because I think people would be interested to know. Yeah. Well, I'm not as amazing at the arts as you are. So let's start. Let's preface She's that. pretty good. I mean, she's, she's um, a great singer. So. Yeah, I grew up in dance and theater and musical theater. Um, it's basically all I did as a kid. I mean, I started taking ballet when I was three, um, became a huge part of my life. That's actually what I wanted to do for my career until epilepsy kind of came in and and twisted and turned things around for me a little bit. Um, but also, I loved visual arts my entire life too. Uh, it's kind of started, I think, as a passion for me when I went to Europe for the first time when I was around 14 years old, and I really got to like go into these museums and see these pieces firsthand. So when performance art kind of took the back burner for me, I really focused in uh, visual arts, and I majored in art history at Indiana University. 
and worked at the art museum there actually all four years. So um, if you're familiar with it, I think it's now the Eskenazi Museum of Art, but back then it was the Indiana University Arts Museum. Got to work there, plan some cool exhibits as part of my senior thesis. Um, I was really interested in color theory and post-impressionism. So the arts are incredibly important to me. I've always considered myself an artist first and a person with disability second, not just because that came along later in, in my life, but I think that it's important to know that your disability doesn't have to define you. There's so much more to you than just that. And that's kind of part of what we try to talk about at Art Mix too. Mm -hmm. And uh, speaking along this point, why do you think art in particular, you know, I mean, obviously right now you deal mostly with visual art, uh, but why do you think art in particular is such a powerful vehicle for individual excuse me, for individuals with disabilities? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, so many reasons. First and foremost, we all need it, especially right now. We all just need like a creative outlet and a creative safe space. And we talk about this a lot at home, but when you think about where people are turning right now during quarantine and social distancing, they're turning to the arts. Everybody is you know, picking up hobbies that maybe they let go as a kid, whether it's playing guitar and bringing your guitar out again or learning to sew or paint or whatever. Um, but for people with disabilities as a whole, it, it's bigger than that, right? Um, so working with individuals with autism, like I have most of my life, sometimes they'll have fine motor functioning problems or uh, gross motor functioning difficulties. So your fine motor skills, right? That's what we do with our fingers. So, you know, drawing, painting, sculpting. Um, in our studio, they work in ceramics. Those things are really great for improving your fine motor functioning and working on your fine motor functioning. And then when you think about gross motor functioning, think about, you know, your, your larger body movements. So dance, so a drum circle, so playing an instrument, those kind of things are really great for gross motor skills. And I think um, right now, you know, if you look at the Harvard Medical Journal, if you look at some of these, um, the American Academy of Psychiatrists, all of them are saying the arts we know firsthand trigger and open another part of your brain, right? So uh, you'll see these stories about individuals with Alzheimer's where when they listen to music, they can remember the words or they'll, for a brief period of time, remember um, a specific moment or memory in their life. Or there's this viral video right now of this former ballerina who has Alzheimer's and the moment that they put on Swan Lake, she started doing some of the movements with her hands. So we know that art is great for the brain and so for individuals with disabilities, we've been practicing this for a long time. Um, I'm not an art therapist, but I'm a true believer in art therapy. And I think that um, you can kind of see that in what we do at ArtMix. Yeah. And I think that, uh, well, to, to do a brief story of my own, uh, my mother works with this population as well, or she did, she's retired now. Um, but she, uh, she had a family friend and, and her son was autistic and, and he played violin and he was really good at it and he was really into it. And do you think that, uh, you know, speaking from your standpoint, do you think it's really healthy and positive for them to just have something that they can kind of grab onto? Cause I think, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of, just a lot of information coming at them. And so to have yeah. something that they can like focus on and grab onto, what do you, what do you think the benefit of that is? 
Yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of thing you go through, right? If you have ever, um, kind of walked through a panic attack or an anxiety attack, you're supposed to say, what's one thing I see? What's one thing I smell? What's one thing I feel, you know, go through those senses. And there's definitely a part of that, I think, um, for, you know, music or the arts in general. And speaking of that made me think of the story of one of my kids that I worked with where he was nonverbal. So, um, music really became one of his ways of expressing himself. He couldn't necessarily tell me how he was feeling, but he could show me where he could play a song or he could, you know, bang a drum or something like that. And it kind of was a a release for him, if you will, an emotional release when, you know, all, all of us, we just want to be heard. We just want to be understood. And so if you think about it, if you're nonverbal and you don't have a way of expressing your voice or your feelings, the arts can be a great way of doing that whether it's dance, whether it's music, whether it's painting, drawing, whatever. I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you. But <laughs> for me, I hope you would know about me. Well, but you know, for me, if I'm having a really tense day or I have too many feelings going on, sometimes I just need to go dance or I just need to like sing or, or draw or whatever. I know sometimes you just need to go play clarinet too. So yeah, that's a really good point, and I think that that's uh, that's very true for me. Like I know what to expect, and I have something that I can grab onto when I play clarinet. Like I have a very specific thing, and so sometimes I'm just overwhelmed, and I'm just like, I need to go play for an hour and just kind of like have a path. You know, I know where that hour is going to lead me. Um, so that's really interesting, and 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 I, yeah, and I think it, it's it's really fun. Well. I think my favorite thing about, and I haven't spent a ton of time around Art Mix. You're fairly, when did you start, sweetheart? When did you? I started at Art Mix six months ago, but I've been in the disability business for over a decade. So, okay. gotcha. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've only been around Art Mix for, um, you know, the six months, and obviously I haven't been around around, but the thing that I love the most is watching how much the kids just love it. I mean, they love it. Yeah. And like their hearts were just, shattered into pieces when they when they knew that they couldn't come in for art classes Mm -hmm. and they were so happy to be back in the studio and just like seeing that and watch and and listening to you when you come home you're like oh my gosh they were so happy and they just love being like that to me is just awesome and and that's that's something worth investing in that's something worth fighting for because everyone deserves to have that you know everyone deserves to have a place where they feel like they belong they feel like they can be creative they feel like they're contributing to society and i think that that art mix uh, is a place where all of them feel that and i think that's really really cool absolutely it's really um it's really a family atmosphere and for those of you listening who are musicians i really encourage you to get involved with an organization like this even if it's not art mix there are organizations that do what we do all over the country and honestly some of the kids their favorite class is music so if you can be a part of this, I I really think it's going to be great for you. Um, you're going to learn way more from them than they'll learn from you. And that's how I feel every single day that they constantly teach me a lesson. And I'm honored to be able to work for them. I consider myself working for them. I just raise the money and do that business kind of thing so they can keep creating art and doing what they do best. Yeah, so awesome. Um, and I know for me, like one of my actually 
favorite memory. I mean, it's been hard to to have a lot of positive memories over the last eight <laughs> months or whatever, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to create as many as I can. And one of my favorite moments so far was actually when I worked with you at one of those first Fridays and I was able to, to sort of explain, because people come through and they just see this amazing artwork. They don't know anything about the organization. There's nothing that just says like, you know, this was made by someone with a disability. Like that, does, you don't hang that on the wall. You just hang on artwork, and they people walk in. Wow, you know, it's this beautiful gallery, and there's all these amazing ceramics and paintings and drawings or whatever. And then people, oh, amazing! And they walk around, and they pick stuff out, and then you start talking to them. Like, oh yeah, by the way, and they're like, oh my god, this is I just love it here, you know. And then you start talking, and that that was one of my favorite parts of of the last couple of months is just being able to do that and be there and just, uh, you know, raising awareness for, for organizations like this. Cause I think a lot of times people don't realize how many there are and how many people like you there are who, you know, volunteer your time. You've also, I know, been involved with best buddies. Uh, yeah. do you actually, do you want to speak on that really quick? Cause last year you were really involved with uh, yeah. best buddies. And I think that's a great option, Sam. If you don't have a an arts organization near you that does what art mix does best buddies is a great way to be involved um i'm a big proponent of just being friends with people who are different from you and i know that we that's been stressed probably so much this year throughout the election throughout everything but but truly really if you do not have someone in your life who lives life and looks at life differently than you do please bring them into your circle, learn from them. And Best Buddies is a great way to do that. Um, I was a Best Buddies champion last year. Love Best Buddies. They have wonderful music programs, arts programs through Best Buddies. Sam has become besties with my Best Buddy too. So it's really just about creating friendships and bonds between individuals who do and do not have disabilities and really just kind of expanding your way of thinking about that, right? It's not, I'm going to go in and I'm going to help this person. It's, I'm truly just creating a friendship with somebody who lives and sees life a little bit differently than me. And you really have that chance to bond, raise awareness, and really just create a lifelong friendship. Yeah. And I think watching you interact with your students and with, um, you know, your, your champion and all that, that was really revealing to me because you just treat them like, normal people because they, well, they are, are you know <laughs> they but, are but there's always people. i feel like people are just like oh you have to tiptoe around it or whatever. it's like no they just want to hang out you know they just want to be goofy and yeah. have fun you know so it's i it, think one of the things that we do in society right we're afraid of being wrong or saying the wrong thing or accidentally offending someone and and i know it happens all the time i mean even in my own experiences right but i think that like if you're open to it and open to saying, Hey, I don't really know how to explain what's going on with you. Would you mind letting me know, you know, what you'd like me to, or how you'd like me to refer to your disability or whatever, they probably will. And they'll feel really comfortable with it. Um, you know, for me, so I have epilepsy. So in disability speak, it's always best to say person first language. So you can say an individual with epilepsy or a person with epilepsy, usually frowned upon to say epileptic. I would not be offended if you said that to me. And then, you know, if somebody corrects you, that's fine. Just be receptive to it. But we're all just normal people and, and, you know, your disability doesn't define you. And I have a a friend who has an art gallery in the Harrison center. Um, his name is Johnson Simon. He's an incredibly talented artist with cerebral palsy. And, you know, he always says he lives life beyond his disability, right? He 
is somebody who is incredibly creative. He's an amazing artist first and foremost, and then he just happens to have CP. That's it. So why would we treat him any differently? Yeah, and we shouldn't. Um, and I think you're uh, a perfect example of you don't let your disability define yourself, you know, because uh, you're a person with epilepsy, but you have a college degree, you have a law degree, you've uh, worked in government, you have been an executive director, and now you're the CEO. And you have never, ever, ever let that define you. And I think that, that yeah, and I think that, um, you know, that's important for people to hear because I think people like to put limitations on people based on, you know, whatever their circumstances are. And, you know, all you have to do is point to yourself and that's just not true. And so yeah. uh, I'm always very proud of you for that. Well, thanks, honey. And, you know, I have to say, though, I am very blessed. I am very, very blessed because I do have friends with seizures who are unable to do what I get to do. And so I think of them every day and, and they're my motivators, right? Whenever I'm really tired and I don't want to get up in the morning and go into work or, you know, my medication's super expensive and it's making me mad. It's, it's the people who cannot do what I get to do that motivate me and want me, want, make me want to spread the word, uh, make sure people are aware, make sure people are paying attention. I mean, if you can believe it, last night, or was that two nights ago when Joe Biden spoke, that was the first time anyone has ever mentioned disability in a, um, a presidential elect has mentioned disability in one of their first speeches. And there were so many people who I know that were like, oh, I didn't even notice that. But you know who did? Our community. <laughs> we did. We all noticed. We all took notice. And I mean, not getting political, no matter your political beliefs, it's just Sometimes you don't realize things until it happens to you. So if I can continue to be a voice and um, talk about the importance of awareness, disability awareness, disability rights and advocacy, then you bet I'm going to do it. And poor Sam has to listen to me on my soapbox all the time. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's a soapbox worth uh, listening from or no. I'm listening. You're on the soapbox. I'm listening. Yeah, <laughs> listening to you. There you go. Um, so this is a perfect segue. And and I think that uh, there's a very big, you know, divide sometimes where it's like n not everyone is inclusive. Um, yeah. And and so what do you what do you think needs to change in, in order for us to be more inclusive for the population that you serve? That's a good question. I think you hit on a few things already. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid of what's different than you. Um, I think a big thing, honestly, and especially in the arts, is we're really intimidated by those words accommodation and accessibility. Those words seem really scary to us because, you know, if you're a CEO of an organization, right, you're like, oh my gosh, putting in ramps, putting in elevators. Blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, that's true. But it's also a lot of really small things. And there are um, tons of disability rights organizations who will help you put together focus groups. It's something that's super easy. And what they'll do is they'll bring in people with disabilities or if it's children you work with, the parents of these children, and they can just kind of say, hey, um, you know how you have a flashing light that goes off in the hallway when somebody opens that door? Yeah, that's really not great for my kid because he's got seizures or, you know, what could be really helpful for a symphony hall who wants to open up concerts to children who have autism, maybe have a room where they can go 
where if someone's having a behavior or if somebody needs some quiet time, they know that they can go into that room. It's a safe space for them. They can kind of use that time to calm down, process their behavior. And then if they want to come back into the show, they can do so, right? Accommodation and accessibility do not have to be scary. They're these huge, scary words, but my gosh, sometimes it's as simple as, hey, on your Instagram, if you say something, type it out in a caption form. So if somebody's watching and they're deaf or hard of hearing, they can read what you're saying. So it sounds to me that a lot of times it's just people just aren't aware of these different things. It's, it's, it's mostly about just being aware, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that because I, I didn't, you know, never occurred to me that maybe, you know, a flashing light would bother somebody. Yeah, it's so true. And, and you know what? You're not going to. So that's why it's important to bring people with disabilities to the table, because you're not going to think of it. I have seizures. I'm not going to think of everything for somebody that's blind or deaf. I'm just not right. So bring people with different disabilities to the table, have them have some buy-in in your organization. And if you want their help, truly ask for it. There are wonderful organizations like the ARC, Easter Seals, Family Voices, if you have any of these, which most of them are national. So you should have if you live in the U.S., um, they would be happy to help you put together a focus group and pull individuals with disabilities or parents of kids with disabilities to kind of help give you feedback for your organization. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. that's amazing. And I love seeing, um, you know, I love seeing all different kinds of people at our concerts and stuff. And, you know, sometimes people come up and they're afraid to talk. And uh, I always admire uh, Jack Everly. He's our principal POS conductor. And there's a there was a little boy with autism who would um, come up at the end of the, uh, he would come to the movie shows and he'd watch like the Star Wars movies or whatever. And then at the end, he'd come up with his like, but he had his conductor baton and Jack would like, shake, uh. Jack would shake his hand. And it was like, the, it was the best thing. Jack's the best. Um, and great. I just, you know, and that, that just like makes this kid's life, you know, it just makes his life and, and, and it makes his day and it just puts a smile on people's face. And, uh, you know, we should all be so accepting of that. Um, I know one of our former, um, trumpet players, his daughter is, uh, has a disability and, you know, he, she came with a group of her friends and stuff and we came mm -hmm. out and we spoke to them and they just love it. They'd love seeing the instruments and it's just, man, it's pretty awesome. So I, I love doing that. I love, uh, you know, uh, sharing my art form with people who maybe don't understand it in a way that other people understand it, but it's special to them in their own way. And that's pretty cool, yeah. I think. It is. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things going back to how we can do better, right? Just don't be, don't be intimidated, you know, sign up for best buddies and, and chances are best buddies, I will say, does a wonderful job of pairing you with the right person, right? Mm -hmm. So if you say, I'm a musician, I play music, um, you know, I like to read and play video games in my spare time, chances are they're going to pair you with somebody who also loves music and video. You have the same interest, right? Your only difference is maybe this person has a disability and you don't. Maybe you both do. I don't know. But it's just kind of an interesting way of pairing people. And then same with Artmix and organizations like ours. Um, we are always hiring and have teaching artists on staff. And so we employ teaching artists to teach our artists. So if you wanted to go in and help with a music program or do a YouTube video, which is what we've moved to for a lot of our classes since we were all separate, um, I'm sure they'd be happy to have you just volunteer, reach out. 
Yeah. So along the lines, what are the best ways for people to get involved in an organization like yours? Do you think it's, mm-hmm. um, are there like, you know, volunteer fairs that people can go to to sign up? Is it just a matter of doing your own self-research? Is it sort of word of mouth? Like what is, what do you, what would, as the CEO, like what would you appreciate the most? Well, uh, what I would appreciate the most right now is probably a donation. If you can, (laughs) (laughs) just being perfectly honest, a lot of us are receiving COVID-19 funding, but what we're lacking uh, is funding for, um, just day-to-day operations. So there's that. No, I think you're right. There, there are plenty of fairs. Um, there are especially a lot of fairs if you're interested in being on the board of a nonprofit, there are a lot of fairs for things like that, um, where you can go if you're a young professional and you're looking to be more involved in your community. Sometimes your local chamber of commerce will host those. Sometimes it'll be hosted by a large nonprofit like uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters or maybe even like the YMCA, something like that. Um, I think, too, one of the things millennials do really well, if you're a millennial and you're listening or watching this, is you get really passionate about a specific thing and you're drawn to that cause, right? So I think for a lot of you, if you are musicians or artists and you're really passionate about helping people with disabilities, I would love it if you would just like Google that, right? How can I, as a musician, work with people with disabilities? And chances are organizations like mine are going to pop up and you're going to have opportunities like that. So get specific about what you want to do. Um, I love when people volunteer their time, honestly. I mean, especially right now because we're having a hard time sometimes making payroll. If you're an artist and you want to volunteer to teach a class or you want to volunteer to send in a YouTube video, that's absolutely amazing. I, you know, obviously I'm not asking anyone to do that because I respect you guys and your time. Um, but that's just another option too. And I think if you just kind of want to get involved in the disability community, starting with a larger organization like Autism Speaks or Best Buddies or something like that is a good introduction for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So what is your favorite part about working for Artmix? Oh my gosh, hands down the artists. You know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no need to even ask. I love them so much. Um, you know, if you're just having a really bad day and you're getting bogged down in grant writing and like a pipe burst and, you know, the furnace isn't working, just that boring CEO stuff. And if you're listening, yes, that's what CEOs do. It's not that glamorous of a job. Yeah, basically um, you're the ultimate put put putter outer of fires. Yeah, I call it like adulting 301, right? You, you Adulting 101, you're paying your bills. Adulting 201, maybe you're married, you have a house. Adulting 301, being a CEO. That's what it is. Um, just like if I'm having a rough day and I go down to the studio and I see, you know, like the, the artist just working on something and they're, you know, singing show tunes really loud because they love to listen to Broadway music and, um we can just talk about stuff. It just, it makes me happy. I love being around them. I love being with them. I love seeing what they create. Um, and the teaching artists too, they come up with the coolest, most creative, amazing ideas. So seeing what they make is really fun and just being able to further that mission, you know, means a lot to me. So yeah, they are hands down my favorite part. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, and one more time, where can people find you guys in your artwork? Yeah. 
So you can go to ArtMix Indiana, and that's A-R-T-M-I-X Indiana.org. That's our website. You can also find us on Instagram at ArtMix Indie, on Facebook at ArtMix Indie, and on YouTube at ArtMix Indiana. And that is our YouTube channel. And if you ever want to do just like a basic drawing or painting, we've got all these cool videos. So feel free to watch. Uh, we also create supply kits for those videos and send them out to people if you're unable to afford art supplies or you don't have access or transportation. We do that too. So that's just kind of a good way to get into visual arts if you don't really have experience. And we actually have yoga videos on there and dance videos with Miss Sally. Miss Sally brings me so much joy. So just doing like a five minute Miss Sally dance break will make you happy and make your day better. There you go. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, they do a lot of, and you, you spoke on this already, but they do a lot of like ceramics and um, they have uh, great little like uh, ornaments and little things and they're they're very in, inexpensive, um, great stocking stuffers, great little Christmas presents. Uh, I know I've, I've bought a few things uh, since you've been there and I just really cute little things that, are, that you know, just, just put a smile on your face and you know it was made by someone special, you know, someone with a disability and uh, who's, who's, you know, a working artist. And, and that's, yeah. that's really cool. And I think that's an important thing that you just said, Sam, like these people are artists, they, they are artists. And so everything they create is beautiful. Um, and a lot of it's collaborative work, not so much right now. Uh, everything's kind of individualized right now, just for those COVID-19 public health rules. Right. But a lot of it's collaborative work. So you might get, you know, a necklace from us, right? And there may be the work of eight to 10 artists on that one necklace, because maybe one person molded the beads and one stamped them and then one pre-glazed or underglazed and one glazed them. And then one put them onto the necklace. And so you may have the work of all these amazing artisans in one piece that you get from us. And I think like my favorite piece right now, which you know already, mm -hmm. our, our 2020 um, holiday ornament, it's snowman wearing a mask. So it's like a cute little snowman and he has his mask on and it says 2020 on his tummy. Very cute. Yeah, super cute. Though I hear, I hear there's potentially corgi ornaments coming. Yeah. So, um, my head teaching artist for the urban artisans program, Ms. Emily bought a Corgi cookie cutter. So we will see if there are Corgi ornaments Perfect. coming in honor of Augie. Yeah. So for those who don't know, my wife and I have a Corgi named Augie who is, he's something else, especially recently. I think he's getting a little bit of cabin fever, but, uh, but yeah, he's our he's our little dog child, and we love him very much. So that's usually when Sam's recording candid clarinetist. I'm usually in the room I'm in right now with on Augie duty because he will be body slamming against the door so he can like get in and <laughs> see Sam take over and the show. Be a part, yeah, be a part of the show. So that's usually I'm usually in my jammies, holding Augie, probably watching a Hallmark movie. <laughs> there you go. Um, so. Speaking of soapbox, I am going to seed the stage to you, and I want you to tell everyone what is the worst thing about being married to a clarinetist, and then what is the best thing. So you get to choose one of each. I'll let you choose the order, too, so I'm, I'm hoping you start with the worst one, but I'll leave it up to you. My worst thing about being married to a clarinetist... 
best thing about being well, I will say the best is we always have cool stuff going on and there are always fun people at our house, right? So it's it's fun. Not so much to recently, like, but yeah. Yeah, not so much recently, right? Um, but it's always fun to go see like your concerts and go backstage after, even though I feel like the Hilbert Circle Theater ushers think I'm a crazy groupie that's like trying to break <laughs> in. They take their jobs very seriously. Worst part, scales, practicing... Yeah, you know, it. Oh my gosh, you yeah. probably enjoy listening. Well, I'm I'm trying to make up for what you just said, but I, I'm assuming, I'm I'm hoping that you enjoy listening to me make music. I do. But I, I do. could definitely see how terrible it would be to listen to someone just hammer scales for like an hour. Like, you know, I I mean, yeah. to be honest, I don't know if I would enjoy it. I try to be empathetic, though, because, you know, I did sing and dance for a long time. So I think about when I was doing vocal exercises over and over again. But, yeah, I think it's just so at this point, I have Sam's practice routine memorized and I can actually like sing it. (laughs) It's very important for our listeners to be very regimented with your warm up and practicing, you know, have your routines. He actually is. That's what I always say. The difference is so to my non musician, non-artist friends. always say that's the difference between Sam and your loyal listeners here and people like me, right? You were the kids who actually practiced whenever they said practice. And I was the kid who was like, what? I don't know what that means now. Never. Uh -uh." So the rest of us didn't and you guys did and you still do. And so I can actually tell you guys, Sam practices what he preaches and he actually does practice every single day. Um, yeah. So I'd say that was the best is like seeing you perform live, which I love. And then having all of our cool friends around and then the worst is just scales. Really? That's, (laughs) that's the worst. So I don't like not having you on weekends. I'll say that too. I mean, but you get, you get used to that after a while. And especially in my current job, right? I work the first Friday of every month, so it's not really a big deal, but yeah, she's she's also being a little like, you know, I mean, she says she doesn't like not having me on weekends, but she actually loves now not <laughs> or she's like now she's like sick of me on weekends. So she loves like, having her Friday nights alone. Show, please. <laughs> yeah, please leave. Um, no. Happy no. to answer any questions anybody has about dating outside of your musician crew, because a lot of you guys like date and or marry each other. So I'm one of those outsider outlier people. If you ever have any questions. But it is nice, though, that you can come to the concert. and Because you are musical and artistic, and you come to the concerts, and you speak knowledgeably, and, you know, you enjoy them, and it's... Um, I don't know if I speak knowledgeably. Well, I'm... You know what you hear, you know what you like, you know what you don't like, so that's... that's Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you get better and you grow after a while, too, I will say. Like, when we first started... Oh, yes, here you go. Here's a tip. If you're listening to this and you're thinking about dating a musician, don't do what I did. So on one of our first dates, Sam said, yeah, so like, what kind of music do you like and what kind of music do you not like? And, you know, what I was familiar with is what I had heard in ballet. So I said, oh, I like this. And, you know, I like Rachmaninoff and these. And I was like, but what I what I really don't like is like, I don't like modern music, like the weird atonal keys. Of course, then I go home and Google him and like, that's what he's known for and like played at Tanglewood and then I'm going, Oh gee. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, you know, it, it's funny cause I mean, we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I feel like some, you know, 
not every piece of music I'm ever going to play in my life, I'm going to enjoy, you know, Yeah. but it's all going to yeah. be a different experience. And like, even if you had this experience of, oh, I hated that, you still had the experience of experiencing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, true. it's like, I, you know, even if you watch a bad movie, you're like, well, you know, that was kind of a crappy movie, but at least I sat through it and I know I'm not going to watch it again. You know, there you, go. you experienced some art. And one of the things my dad used to always say, like when I was growing up was, you know, you may not like that, but that's somebody else's favorite. Right. Exactly. So like, I may not love whatever that Mahler one thing is that I, oh. <laughs> but you know, that's someone's favorite. That's a lot of people's favorite. They absolutely love it. So, yeah. Um, and one other thing I wanted to mention too is Britt is actually a recovering clarinetist. She used to play clarinet <laughs> when she was in, what was it? Fifth grade? Was that what it is? Sixth, seventh and eighth Sixth, grade. Seventh and eighth. Sadly, three years of my life. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was destined to be between us. Yeah. That's how I impressed him. I played hot cross buns for she did him. Recently. <laughs> <laughs> she tends to struggle a little bit on the bass clarinet, which is understandable. I can't even make a sound out of that thing. The lung capacity required. I don't even know how you guys do it. It's insane. And I'm not saying, unfortunately, clarinetist because I don't like clarinets. Let's just clarify that. I'm saying that because I was so horrible at the clarinet. My parents begged me to not practice. They were like, no, it's okay. You don't have to do it. Please, please don't. And shout out to Ms. Cooper, my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade clarinet teacher. If you happen to be listening, she was so kind and so nice and really encouraged me to get involved in choir and was one of the reasons I started singing because I sucked at the clarinet so much. <laughs> there you go. So uh, before we leave, do you have any last words, shout outs, pieces of advice, or words of wisdom? Um, yeah, I would just say continuing upon what we discussed before, be open to being friends with people who experience life differently than you. And if you can sit down and create a collaborative piece of art, whether that's music, sculpture, painting, whatever, with somebody who experiences life differently than you, you're going to learn a lot along the way. So I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to get involved with more disability organizations, more disability rights organizations, and learn more. And if you have any questions about it, I'm always happy to answer. Absolutely. And uh, along those lines, uh, if you do have any questions for Britt, uh, please make sure to go to our website, candidclarinetispodcast.com. There's a contact form there that you can fill out. And, uh, you know, as per usual, you can just say, yeah, I'm not really interested in anything you have to say, Sam, but I really want to talk to your wife. Because that's what usually happens amongst our friends. I don't in our think circle. that that's accurate, <laughs> but especially not on the Candid Clarinetas podcast. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, but anyways, uh, Brett, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that you might be a repeat guest at some point on the podcast. We'll have to, oh, we'll have to figure it out. Yeah. You're obviously... Hey, actually, no. Let us know, guys, if you have a lot of questions for Sam, I keep saying this. If you have questions for Sam that you want answered, let us know and we will do a special edition where I interview Sam and turn the tables. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, she's certainly my most accessible guest. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> but uh, sweetheart, thank you so much for being on and uh, check it out. Artmixindiana.com. Uh, Art Is that the, that's the website? Org. 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 Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Artmixindiana.org. Um, I know the holiday season is coming up. If you have an opportunity to donate to them, I know that they would really, really appreciate it. Or just go in and check out their artwork. They have so much cool 
stuff there, uh, ornaments and little, uh, you know, pieces of memorabilia. And they do, they also do commissions. So if you have anything for your maybe your organization or your business and you want them to make for you, uh, they can absolutely do it. And uh, it's it's great. I love it. Great organization. Uh, definitely go check it out. And for our new listeners out there, please help us get to 500 followers on Instagram by December 31st. You can follow us on Instagram at the Candid Clarinetist for links to all of our social media and content platforms, as well as information about myself and the podcast, visit CandidClarinetistPodcast.com. Once again, I am Sam Rothstein, and thanks for tuning in to the Candid Clarinetist Podcast.